assume that the values are are good ones then for me it's about the it's about trust and integrity and really just staying true to my personality hello and welcome to the helping organizations thrive podcast this is your host julian roberts This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today, I have the pleasure of Rebecca Conroy on the show. Uh, Good morning to you and welcome to you, Rebecca. Hello, Julian. How lovely of you to invite me on. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. So am I. I'm looking forward to having you on here today. Um, so you're the CEO and principal of East Sussex College Group, and you've worked in education for over 25 years, uh, and you worked in schools, four universities, uh, before a career now in the further education. Um, so you have a passion uh, of supporting young people and adults with barriers and challenges to engage and appreciate their unique abilities on contribution. That's why you work in education and why you work where you are now. And we will be exploring value-driven leadership uh, in a moment. But before we get there, I'd just like to ask you, uh, what do you love about what you do, Rebecca? I, I love the capacity for FE colleges to change people's lives. And that sounds really grand, but it's true. And I love the fact that on a day-to-day basis, if I wander around the many campuses that we've got at East Sussex College, every day there are people, young people, adults from all walks of life, from all over the world, developing skills, building confidence, and really finding what they want to do in the world in a way that I think is quite unique uh, to to this sector. And I love the fact that you can literally walk into rooms uh, around the place and find all sorts going on. There's never a dull moment. And ultimately, I love the purpose of what we do and why we do it. And it's an incredibly difficult sector to leave. I've joined uh, a predecessor college to this, what became merged into East Sussex College 20 years ago, and have struggled to leave and keep coming back to various different FE colleges. And I think it'll probably be the place I remain until I stop doing anything. It's interesting because I think something what you're passionate about and it'd be interesting to understand where that's come from um, is seeing that sort of potential in people and seeing that sort of, I guess, unlocked. And it's what, what I do as a coach is I, I, I talk, people come to me with that potential and I help unlock it. And you do it in a very, obviously, very different way as a college. Uh, but there's a similar thing. You've got these students, whether they're young people or adults, uh, and they've got this, I guess, potential. And then you're finding various courses or interactions that will ultimately unlock it. So where does that passion come from in terms of being within the education sector and sort of working with where you are now? Yeah, my, both of my parents worked in education. So my my mum worked in FE colleges all all of her life. Um, at, well, I say all of her life. She moved into universities in the latter part of her career. But her, I suppose when I... I I remember going in with her occasionally and I remember her doing adult night classes and just how she spoke about it really 
hit me. Uh, and my dad worked in a school with a with a with a sort of uh, sixth form um, in quite a deprived part of Leicestershire. And he stayed in the same school his whole career and sort of saw generations moving through the school. So it was definitely part of the fabric of my youth, just sort of understanding what they did, what they loved about it. And I think that they, they were actually keen for me to do something very different. They, I, I talk about doing a teaching qual and they said, no, don't do it, go do something else. I think they were desperate for me to go and try some diff, different stuff, which I did early in my career. But ultimately, I think I was just drawn to, to yeah, drawn to big organisations that work with people. I love working with people. I love seeing uh, I love working alongside different teams, but I also love the the sort of the impact of what we do. So I think it's definitely in in the in the blood, so to speak. Mm. And so you so you're the CEO of, of this group, and therefore mean you're you're in a leadership leadership position, and therefore mm. you you lead how this organisation goes forward. And you know, leadership is uh, there's a lot to it, and probably a lot to what people realise what goes into it. And you talk about you've shown me already that you're you're more about value driven uh, leadership and i'd like to get a bit more uh, i suppose understanding of, of what, what you see as value driven um, mm. leadership and also what underpins those values that, that you, you talk about yeah so I, I i do like to think of myself as a values driven leader and it's something that i'm really proud of and and for me um that the values are around the purpose of of what we're doing so that's a really important part of how i lead um it, you know i i i've worked for a lot of different people with a lot of different leadership styles i think the danger is that you become very disconnected i've worked for people who ha- who are quite disconnected with the bread and butter purpose of what a college is here to do so I really try and stay very focused on what we're trying to do, which is to support our students, give our students the best experience, to give our young people those transforming opportunities, to give adults the opportunities that perhaps they didn't have um, earlier in their lives or or, or that are going to really sort of enhance what they do now. And so for me, the purpose is so closely tied into what I do on a daily basis as far as I possibly can. And 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 not for, not losing sight of that. And, and I think for for me, you know, value. We can talk about values. Values can be good. It often it implies they're good. Values could be bad. But <laughs> if we assume that the values are are good ones, then for me, it's about the it's about trust and integrity and really just staying true to my personality and not not playing a role too much we all play roles and we all have to play roles when we come to work but I think mm. trying to step out of that as much as is possible and just remember I'm working with people and we're trying to do the best we're all trying to do the best and being optimistic about people's uh, uh you know pe- perhaps people's motivations and um a, a really um trusted mentor years ago said to me if we start by thinking the best of, of a situation, you know, think the best of what people are doing and why mm. they're doing it. Um, it, you, you know, yeah, that that can get you a, a long way. That really, if you if you just suspend sort of the 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 instinct, possibly to get annoyed or 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 feel that somebody's not doing something to deliberately kind of mm. do wrong. Actually, most people aren't. So let's start by thinking the best and aim to to move forward optimistically. That 
that I hope that kind of answers that um, question. But I think values um, are, are so in- integral to this organisation mm. and really help me connect with the other members of staff here, the teams here, most of whom are so dedicated to their students and really ultimately want the best for their students day in, day out. So my service as a leader is to make sure they've got what they need as far as I possibly can and that we do deliver and that we're really, yeah, we stay really focused on that. It seems like good advice you're given there, almost that suspending judgment with people, Mm. isn't it? Not having that sense of coming in with a, a judgment and actually thinking the best. And there's a lot to be said about setting our intentions sometimes mm. and rather than saying I'm going to come and do this actually my intentions is to help my intentions is to you know see the best in things or see the potential and actually you see a lot more opportunities it, it also changes your language doesn't it and how you interact um do you are you quite intentional then in terms of how you approach people who work for you and those people who are stakeholders within the organization yeah, very much so. I think my start point is to listen as well, at least as much as I talk. Ideally, we've got two ears and one mouth. Let's try and get that balance right. Um, and learn and listen to people's concerns and, and really, you know, really try and listen to where's it coming from? Um, what what is that in you know, what is that motivation or fear or or you know, or opportunity that they really want to share and and try to get to, try to for, try for communications to be really quite meaningful fairly quickly and, and and some of that is about I think trying to leave egos well clear of the workplace as much as is possible and not and and I guess um, my uh, my language is is quite deliberate in not trying. Uh, or you know, or trying to get the best out of people, and trying not to um, create barriers or create hierarchy when when it doesn't need to be there. Sometimes you, we need to have some clarity, and ultimately, I am accountable and responsible for the organisation. I never shy away from that. If I've got to make some tough decisions, I'll make them, but I'll certainly t- spend the time explaining them and taking feedback along the way and learning and, and and doing all of those things. But ultimately, when I can possibly avoid hierarchy, I do. I mm. think that's a, I think it helps level and just helps people trust a bit more and feel that they've got that they can talk to me and I'll listen and I'm really responsive. I can't always agree and I can't always follow up and I can't always do everything people want me to do. Mm. But if I'm honest about that, I don't think you can do more. Just exploring a bit more about the, the tough decisions and mm. uh, the, the tough calls you, you have to make, obviously, as the, the CEO. Mm. Um, I think sometimes people can perceive, and this is a wrong perception, that value-driven leadership is a bit soft, is mm. a bit sort of not vague, but just a little bit, oh, everything's all right and, and all very, because there's lots of things to talk about caring, talk about trust, talk about humility, talk about uh, empowering people and all that sort of stuff. How do you play that out? Have you got any examples, not not share people, but examples where you have to make a tough call and, and how do yeah. you go about that? Because that's that's quite important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the sector I work in has faced massive challenges around funding cuts, both in terms of real 
actual significant funding cuts and a lack of investment uh, and a lack of sort of keeping up with basic kind of um, just, you know, in terms of cost of living rises, all of those things. So the, the money side of things, the financial challenges are real and are ever present and need really careful managing. This college two years ago uh, was was financially inadequate in terms of its financial health. Uh, that put it into an intervention phase with the Department of Education. And I was appointed as chief exec just around that, that point, about a few months after we went into intervention. So I've had to make some really tough decisions around how, how we invest, how we how we basically balance our books, uh, whether how, you know, how we reduce our costs, and sometimes that involves redundancies. I've had to make, um, I've had you know, significant numbers of uh, rounds of redundancies in probably in the last ten years in particular, and they are always really challenging, really difficult, and and really you know again that's where values come comes to the forefront again because that these decisions have to be made they we have to explain them we have to be clear on what we can and can't afford and we have to be honest with people so you do need the values and the integrity but ultimately if we have to make the savings we have to make the savings there is there is no choice for the security and safety of the whole organization i have to make these decisions and have to you know and they are tough ones so i, I don't I don't shy away from it, but I know where it's coming from. I know why I'm making them and I am more than prepared to explain and engage and talk and do these things and do things properly so that people have time to absorb and acknowledge and, and, and be part of the journey. They may not like it, but at least they'll know that they've been given that information and that courtesy and that respect. Um, and, and another, and I suppose one of the other elements I've learned in terms of making difficult decisions is that sometimes you can assume, and, and, and quite often it is the case, that these are difficult things for people and, and, and people don't want to face redundancy. Of course, that's an, uh, that, that is my start point. People, do, you know, people don't want to face redundancy. Mm. However, what I've learned over the years as well is that for some people, actually, if you, if you open up choices for people and you do, uh, you know, possibly uh, one element of this sort of decision making is to say okay how can we avoid this being compulsory how can we how can we enable people who might want to move on to move mm. on and make the savings in a much more positive way mm. and often if you take if you you know start by trying to solve a problem with integrity and and to do least harm um you can open up all sorts of options and people may then you know have a change of lifestyle or oh actually now you've said suggested that yeah okay let's have a think mm. about what I might want to do and so I think there yeah the sort of the broader approach yes make the tough decisions do it do it properly do it with respect but do it creatively as well because you mm. could open up all sorts of opportunities for people that you may not have considered or they may not have considered so yeah I think and I and I absolutely take the point that values driven leadership um, probably has a reputation for being a bit soft I, I don't shy away from not you know, I, I I don't really have a problem if people think I'm soft I know I'm not and that's fine um, mm -hmm. but equally I think there is a a, a sort of a, a well there can be a tendency in leadership to need to play a role um, and my view is no I'm going to be authentic and mm -hmm. and be honest but I'm you know I'm pretty resilient underneath it and I'll mm -hmm. and I have had to you know, I've had to do things that are pretty unpleasant and I don't love it, 
but I'll do it. And and I think some something around, you know, just staying staying true and knowing that in the end, whatever I've had to do, I've done it in the best way possible as as well as I possibly can. And mm. that's so important. And I like that that approach, even when you were, you know, making people redundant, unfortunately, mm. that you had that almost mindset of almost there's for them there's some silver linings that could come out of this there's some mm. opportunities it could shift somebody it could get some people out of their phone because there's yeah. which is in itself is um how you're embracing that when you do make those tough decisions do, do you go through like a process in how you think how you go about it is there a not a formula as such but how do you just talk me through what you go through mm. and it just be interesting to people to understand how, from your perspective, value-driven, what, what was the things you consider when you're making those tough decisions? Yeah. So I think some. So in terms of what you have to do, I think there is a. You, you need to really take some time and speak to trusted colleagues and really understand. So if we need to make a saving, let's look at the organisation and and understand where those opportunities might be that don't that cause least harm and might, may enable us to make savings by potentially not replacing a vacancy um, so that might you know that's a fairly straightforward one um, I, I think in terms of really thinking through the purpose of the organization if, if our purpose is to support <clears throat> students then we need to protect those services and those resources that are directly going to impact on the students' lives. So if we then have those principles really clearly in our mind, that's, you know, some of these areas are sacrosanct. We cannot um, make savings in this particular area, but we may need to think about this or this or this. And it may be that we need to start to think about having a smaller service, uh, a back office service, for example. So once we've sort of identified, and again, through being purposeful and values driven around what we do and how we do it and how we can find those opportunities to save. I think then it's about, so we've, we've established the what, then it's about the how. How do we take people through a redundancy process in the most dignified and respectful way mm. through clear communication, through open channels to take genuine feedback when we're consulting? How do we make sure that union colleagues support staff as well? How do we open up opportunities as a large organisation that is a learning organisation? We offer training. I've had situations where uh, we might then have discussions with people who are looking to take redundancy, but we then enabled them to start to look at a retraining programme through mm -hmm. our college or through funding them through somewhere else to enable them to build the skills to take forward mm -hmm. perhaps a, a dream they might not have ever thought they'd be able to, mm -hmm. to take. Um, but again, that comes through listening and taking time and treating people mm -hmm. as individuals and understanding the impact that this may be having on them. Um, so, yeah. Ultimate, ultimately working and treating people with kindness mm. whilst, you know, having to do something that is, that is difficult. That, that's how I, I think it is that it's taking the time and knowing at the end of it, if I can look myself in the mirror and eyeball myself and say, mm. we've done that in the fairest, kindest way we could have done. Mm. And we've really listened to people and we have, you know, we have resolved this in the most positive way that we could have done. Mm. It doesn't mean that that won't there won't be people that 
we've had to let go that don't want to be let go, but we've done it in the most respectful way mm. and we've avoided as much of that as we possibly can have done. And it, and it takes, as you say, it takes time because you're you're engaging with people, you're listening to people, you're trying to get an understanding of the situation rather than coming with a, an edict of this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it, which is one style of leadership. Actually, this is more engaging, collaborative. And um, and also, I think by through that process, you get different perspectives. You might not change the the outcome, so to speak, but it might change the, the, the how, as you say, and how you go about it and the opportunities that come from that. Mm. Um, now, you, Carol, were you going to say something there? Well, I was going to say, I think one of the measures, and it's happened a few times, it doesn't always happen, but I think when I've had those final goodbyes with people, to know that we've still maintained a really positive relationship that they perhaps you know, thank the organisation for treating them with such respect that they've now got a new pathway, um, that they haven't, bro- their, their relationship with the organisation hasn't broken. They've not been left with grief and sort of anger and, you know, all of those things that make any difficult situation 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's taken a bit more time than perhaps it might have done. Yeah, we've invested a bit more energy. Great. That's really positive for us and for them Mm. and often it's such a small world often you end up working with people either in another organization or they come back to work for you in a different way in a few years time so I think just having that sense of maintaining relationships as as positive you know that that that's a really important thing for me um, and has so you know has served me over the last 10 years particularly um just in in the sense of understanding that things can be done differently Mm. and there's a massively positive benefit to to putting that time and energy into it Mm. now that's obviously your style of leadership is value driven and that's Mm. how you work that's how you operate that's your mindset how do you then bring that to an organization we just talked some examples how you you lead but how do you create a culture because obviously you know part of your role is is setting the tone of the culture Mm. the direction Mm. of the culture how do you bring that culture of value driven into your organization how's that has that been difficult has that been easy and what are your sort of ways of doing that so I think my my style is really clear and I ask questions a lot and I'm but I'm always thinking, how will people receive this if it's a, a piece of news or it's a written uh, communication or it's a policy? Actually, that the, the style in which we communicate, the, the approach, the, the tone, every bit of it adds to the culture. So our, my, my team, once they kind of get to know me, will understand how I like things to be phrased. Um, I, I, I go back to transactional analysis a lot, the, the sense of um, having three states of child, uh, parent and adult. And I'm always seeking to move us into adult to adult communication mm. as far as is possible, even with young people. You know, that's if you can shift away from parent child, you'll get uh, things are much more open and neutral and productive in my view. So I'll often talk about that when we're communicating and leadership can be very parental. And again, it's it's trying to shift people away from being either angry parents or controlling parents into 
being uh, more respectful adults who treat people as adults mm. rather than children. So that that's quite a powerful tool. And I'll often ask people, how would you take that? How would you feel about that? If you were receiving that piece of news, how would that make you feel? How, mm. you know, what, how, does that, how would that decision make you feel? Would it make you feel trusted? Would it make you feel annoyed? Because I know that would make me feel annoyed and I'll often say something like that. So I think mm. just putting myself into the receiver's shoes is, is a really powerful tool. But it's all, it's, I think it's constant. I constantly think about how we, how we phrase things, how we, how we, how we do things. So it's not a sort of, oh, I'm going to switch into values driven leadership from, you know, half past 10 to 11 on a Thursday morning. It'll Mm. be, no, this is what we do and we live and breathe it. And, and it's quite infectious. And I've worked for people. I mean, I've probably, I've I've learned so much from people along the way in Mm. terms of, ah, that's, ah, that's really powerful, right? They've really thought about how they've phrased that or mm. they've, uh, by listening to somebody say something in a particular way, I'm really bought into that. I get it. I really, yeah, I'm right with them. Uh, and the alternative is you're switched off. You've probably got a knot in your stomach and you probably want to get away from that message or that person as quickly as you can. So mm. if the, yeah, that, so again, I've sort of learned, learned from how I felt about things and really try and stay true to that feeling as often as I can you make a, a valid point there it's not about turning up at whatever nine o'clock and then I switch on I'm, I'm now the leader of this organization and I have to do this and this it's um it's it's who you are and I think we often forget the power of, of role modeling and mm. how impactful that is it's actually more powerful than whatever you say um, in terms of what people observe and making sure it aligns what you're saying, what you're doing is aligning to that. Because if if, if, it, if there isn't, there's a sort of almost a cognitive dissonance. Mm. People subconsciously, they're not always aware of it, but they sense something's not quite right. Yeah. And so, and we learn by role modeling as well. And so you perceiving and you doing what you're doing, the tough decisions, leading in a value-driven way will actually affect the culture because people mm. will observe it and see what Rebecca does and how she does mm. it and they like what you do and therefore it has a, a multiple impact, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that's so that's I do I do think about that a lot. And I think that's again important when I've watched leaders um be themselves and, and often it is about taking the time as they're going about the organization, talking to people, listening, chatting, being friendly, being positive, you know, that's um that's something I love doing so I don't find it difficult at all I in fact, that's, I wish I could do more of it but it is yeah I, I think that's a really important point it's living and breathing how you how you are how you want to behave how you want to be seen and not just saying it and not paying lip service to it and we've all met people who that you know where there is that dissonance and it it makes you question and and it breaks your trust with them I think even if you don't quite absorb it or acknowledge it um if you see people being rude to a, or not even rude, but dismissive to perhaps, um, I don't know, waiting staff in a restaurant, it can really put you off people. And it is that sense of we respect, I respect everybody. And I want to make sure that's, again, going back to my sort of looking myself in the eye in the mirror. Am I, you know, do I, am I being respectful to everybody I meet? Yeah, mm. I hope I am. That's a really important thing for me. I hope it, it comes naturally. But I, and I and I think that then comes through and, and I hope does influence um, other people in the organisation. I'm sure it does because, you know, value-driven is all about, you know, honesty, integrity, courage, trust, care. 
and you've got to be doing it and as simple as that it's not it's not it's not it's, it's obvious in some ways but sometimes very difficult to to, to work that out mm. um it sounds great in how you lead rebecca um and i think your organizations are, are very uh sort of good that they have you in terms of how you approach things and tackle things um if people are interested in getting to know a bit more about you uh, what's the best way for them to, to connect with you Oh, what a question. Um, I, I've, I'm a little bit of a Luddite on all these different, uh, and I shouldn't be because I'm not that old. I, I, I need to dust down my LinkedIn profile, Julian, so I will do that. And I'd love to connect with people. And I, I'm really, I am really interested in connecting with other people who, who share the values that I share in terms of their style of leadership. And the more I think people recognise that this is an important way of leading um, the better and not being afraid of it and I think particularly for young women um, there is a, a people perhaps are afraid of behaving in in the way that they might see as being weak or, or soft and I'd love to connect with people um, to I suppose share my kind of experiences of, of bucking that and and doing it with great sort of determination and deliberation around 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 style so uh, yeah I think if I if I make a promise that I will sort myself out uh, in terms of LinkedIn I would love to to connect with people well thank you for your time today Rebecca it's been really inspirational and really insightful it's been great to get to know you more but also understand how you how you lead thank you Julie it's been a real pleasure I've so enjoyed it thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.